everyone. Thank you for joining us today. New Hope Radio. Happy to be with you as we um, gather together, wrap up the end of the week here. Weekday broadcast. As you know, we come your way every Monday through Friday, 1230 Eastern Time. Saturday at 3. Don't forget that also. And you can catch these programs on our Hope Club podcast at newhopecc.tv. All the podcasts are there, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, a whole bunch of others all over the place. Glad to be there. Glad to shout out the Word of God. It's our hope in these crazy trying times, isn't it? It certainly is. So I'm glad that you're with us today. We begin a new series. Last time we were together, it's called Look Up. And we learn... And a quick review, sometimes when we're sad, we look down. When we're confused, we might look within. When you're startled, you look around. Oh, but when you need forgiveness, you can only look up. That's the place to look. And we said that when you do look up, you're looking up at a hill. But not just any hill. You're looking up on that hill called Calvary. And on that hill is a cross. Well, it's not just any cross. Because on that cross hangs a man. Not just any man. He's Jesus Christ. The Son of God. And the Savior of the world. And in Him we have forgiveness. A man who was virgin-born, full of compassion, a teacher of wisdom, conquered death, rose up into heaven, offers forgiveness and eternal life. And as John said, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So we're going to continue with this theme today. But before we do, what I want to do, I want to invite you to join the Hope Club. The Hope Club is a group of people that commit $3 a week to New Hope Radio, and they get devotionals every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and the Tuesday Challenge. And what I want to do for you today is play the Friday devotional, that's today, and give you a sense of, um, you know, what you're hearing when you are a member of the Hope Club. So let me play for you today's devotional, see if you like it. If it's something you like, and you like New Hope Radio, and you want to be part of the club by committing $3 a week, it's not a lot, well, I'm going to tell you how to get it, how to do it, right after this. But here's today's Friday devotional. Well, it's Friday, getting to the end of the week. Hope you're having a good week. Let's go into the Hope Club. Oh, we've been talking all week long about houses. The household, actually. The household that God wants to build. The household that wisdom wants to build. You know what we're going to talk about today? Let's talk today about God's house. The house of God. And the house of God, we know our bodies are the temple of God. We know that. But the house of God is where we gather together gather together for particular functions. 
And I want to go back today to Psalm 122. And I want you to see the heart of David as this psalm opens up. I'll tell you what, David's heart really begins to be revealed here. And here's what he said, and maybe you have these same emotions. He said in verse 1, I was glad when they said, when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. <laughs> it's like, so, somebody said, David, what? Let's go to church. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I was glad. I was glad when they said, let's go to church. Let's go to God's house. Now remember, David's the king. Oh, he's got this big palace. He's got all these servants. He's got everything your heart could imagine. Plenty of food, swimming pools, horses, soldiers. He's got it all. And somebody said, David, let's go to God's house. Let's go. Let's go. I'll beat you there. Because he understood the value. Here it comes. He understood the value of the house of God. He knows that there are things that go on there which really we can't live without. We really shouldn't live without. And you know what some of those things are? Some of those things, or one of them, is worship. When you go to the house of God, you go to worship. And worship, you know, it serves a couple of purposes. Number one, it gives God what he's due. It gives him the praise and the honor that he deserves. Number two, it's a cleansing of our own hearts. That something happens inside, in our invisible world. Something happens there. And it brings us a, a newness, a refreshment. And you know that. You know that when you've spent time in worship, something happened. You felt renewed. You felt like, oh, that was so enlightening for me. That was so refreshing. You feel like the weights have gone off your shoulder. What weights? The weights of the world. The weights of life. Worship is a magical thing. It really is. David knows that's good. You know, there's something else that goes on in the house of God. Fellowship. Oh, the people of God being together. You know, there's a, there's a camaraderie that we have. There's a oneness that we have. And we get to experience that oneness when we come together in the house of God. I really pity those that don't see the value of the worship and the oneness. Because there are many that don't, and they're God's people. They don't see the value. They think nothing of not being in the house of God. Because they're lacking understanding. They're lacking what we said Wednesday, let wisdom build your house. Wisdom reveals it. And, and that which takes place at fellowship, it's that, you know, that iron sharpens iron. It's a wonderful thing. And then there's a third thing that happens in the house of God. The teaching of the Word of God. <laughs> you know that Word that is going to abide forever? That one? The one that's going to go on for all of eternity? We also know it as, oh, here it comes, 
the mind of Christ. Oh, we get to see the mind of Christ every time. We study his word. So we come together. See, David understood the value of what goes on in God's house. And that's why he said simply, I was glad. Whoa, what a good idea that is. Who said that? I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. I'm ready. Oh, you can have the palace. You can have the soldiers. You can have the gardens. You can have it all. Give me the house of the Lord. Give me the house of God. Oh, that's why he was a man with a heart after God. David understood. We need to understand. We need to understand what goes on in the house of God. It's not frivolous, not at all. It's not unimportant. It's worship that gives God his due. It's fellowship that gives us comfort and companionship and encouragement and it's wisdom that teaches us the divine perspective the mind of Christ teaches us how to think like God so we can have a better life than we would have we would have without him oh next time it's time for church be excited be glad say yes I can't wait I can't wait to go so have a nice weekend because you know what? It's only a couple of days away that we'll be experiencing the house of God. So you have a great weekend. Well, that was our Friday devotional, and I know uh, we're still... Social distancing, so they say. But New Hope will be back in action very soon. Don't you worry about that. So uh, if you like those kind of devotionals, I like them. I like listening, even though I said it. Uh, go to newhopecc.tv, donate, click radio, fill out your information. See, like every Friday, just send off $3. How hot is that? That'll ensure that we stay here on the air in this fine radio station. And you'll get the devotionals Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the Tuesday challenge as well. So we're so happy to be able to share that with you today. Okay, let's get to the theme. There is a theme that we want to continue with today. And this is the theme of looking up. And today we're going to see another aspect of looking up. I want us to look up and see the harvest. Now, did you ever think that the time you're waiting to do something is right now? Like, oh, I know I got to read a book, then start it now. I know I got to get in shape, start it now. I know I should send that thank you card, do it now. Tell someone you love them, now. See, there are things we have to do, and we shouldn't put them off. When we put off something important, that's called procrastination. And that's not something that really is helpful. So, I want you to think now. Jesus is going to tell, it's not a story. He's going to give some direction to his disciples. And uh, everything is ready, he's going to say. So let's do it. And he's telling us today that something is ready spiritually for us. And you know what that is? It's the harvest. Jesus understood this social ill of procrastination. 
And he talked about it. And he talked about the urgency, oh yeah, of bringing in the harvest. He said when the farmer plants the seed, there's a waiting period of about mm, four months before it can be harvested. But the seed of the word that he sows in men's heart, it takes root instantly. So let's go back to the farm and let's see how this works. In John chapter 4 and verse 35, here's what Jesus said to the disciples. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are already white for harvest. Now, when did Jesus say this? You know when Jesus said this? Following the scene in the previous verses where he spoke with a Samaritan woman at the well. Remember she had a bunch of husbands. Her life was filled with problems. And Jesus told her everything about her. And she was amazed that Jesus knew so much about her. And she thought to herself, might this be the Messiah? So she went back into town and asked the men, I met a man that told me everything about me. Could that be the Messiah? And they all agreed to go up to the well to check out Jesus. And Jesus sees the men coming up to the well. And he tells his disciples, Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're white for the harvest. The harvest he's talking about is the harvest of the souls of men. Why does Jesus see the souls of men as the harvest? Because another time, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus saw people as distressed and dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. So he felt compassion on them. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. What do you think was going on in Jesus' heart? So many people that needed to hear the gospel. So many people that were lost and needed to be saved. And there's not many people helping. So many people. It's like trying to row this giant rowboat with 50 oars. And there's only three people rowing. There's 47 oars. They're just sitting there. That's all they're doing. Oh, Jesus was burdened. He was burdened for the souls of men. He certainly was. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Who are the workers? You know who the workers are? Anyone who participates in the harvest. That's who. You know what the problem is today? You know why we need more workers in the harvest, the problem is many people are not hungry enough. That's the problem. See, when you're not hungry and you don't see a need for the food, you let it rot on the vine. But hungry people go out to bring in the harvest. People that know that they need to eat, they'll bring in the harvest. People that aren't hungry, eh, I don't need it. Because they're only thinking about now. They're not thinking in a little while they're going to be hungry. 
So spiritually, there's a problem. People are not hungry for the harvest. That's why Jesus said, Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his field. Pray that God would send out people. Pray that God would make us hungry. That's the key. Here's the question. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for souls? Are you hungry to see people saved? To see them come out of darkness into light? To see them go from dysfunction to function? Lost to found? Alienated to accepted by God? Are you hungry? That's the question. Jesus said, Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. What a picture. This is the way it's supposed to be. The sower and the reaper. One sows, another reaps. They all win. Everybody wins when you've got the sowers and the reapers. A person sows a seed, another one comes along behind him and reaps the crop. Jesus said, For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. He's talking about the farm. But now he says, I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their land. Who are the others Jesus is talking about? He says, Jesus is saying, you guys are going to go out and harvest the souls, but somebody else planted the seeds. Who did that? Well, he's referring to, first of all, John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. John the Baptist was a seed sower. He planted seeds. How about the Old Testament prophets? They did, too. They did. They sowed a lot of seeds. They tried to get people back with God. Okay? So, you know, think about your own life. In our own life, someone has gone before us and sown the seeds of the gospel. And you can be used by God to be a harvester, a harvester of souls. How do you bring them into the kingdom? Well, the seeds have been planted. So now you've got to get to the point where it's like, do you believe who Christ is and have you accepted that? Try to bring them along. You know, when you harvest plants, you've got to be gentle. I know nowadays they use heavy machinery and they reap it all in. But when plants were harvested by hand, they were gentle. You didn't want to destroy the crop. And you know, when you harvest the souls of people, you want to be gentle. You want to be careful. You don't want to hurt the crop, so to speak. When you reap souls, you don't want to hurt the soul. Okay? So, it's time for laborers. Some of you are laborers. Some of you are reapers. you got to identify, hmm, which one am I? Which one do I choose to be? You know, you can be a, you can be a, a sower. You can sow the seed of the Word of God. You can do it with words. You can do it with your life. And you can also be a reaper. You, can, you know, the great thing about reaping is that you're enjoying the fruit of your labor. You enjoy the fruit of your labor. 
Nothing like sitting back. And I worked on an apple orchard one year when I was young. Let me tell you something. The best apples in the world are the ones you pick fresh off the tree. They have flavor. You buy apples in the store today, they have no taste. They taste just like the artificial ones, the, wa <laughs> the, the wax apples. No difference. Maybe I did buy wax apples. But when you take them off the tree, oh, man, it's a world of difference. And I understand, I know what real apples taste like. I know what it is to harvest real apples and enjoy the fruit of the labor. And then you take those fresh apples and you know what? You bake them in a pie. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's real food. And when you have real food, and it's because of the labor of your own hands, that's a great joy. And when you have people that you know God has used you to bring into the kingdom, oh, that's a great joy. It's a great joy. And just like in the days of Jesus, people didn't understand them. People don't understand today either. In Jesus' day, the Samaritans, they didn't see them as fruit for harvest. Oh, man, no, don't go over there. Don't go to those people. We don't want them around. And Jesus said, you see these Samaritans? The harvest is ready. Go get them. Jesus opened it up to the whole world. And maybe there are people that you see and you think, oh, no, man, not them. No, it's them. Because if, if Christ died for the sins of the whole world, that means every person. And aren't you glad he died? You know, if he didn't die for the sins of the whole world, you or I might not be saved. I don't know where we fit in that. But because he died for everybody, we fit. We fit in. That's good. We fit right in that. Whosoever believes will be saved. So this is a massive undertaking. But you know what? It only requires one thing. That you be hungry. That you be hungry for souls. Are you hungry? See, when you're not hungry, you don't work. You think, why do I need to work? I'm not hungry. But when you're hungry, you work. You ever see the guy with the sign, I work for food? Because that's his greatest need. Food. Without food, you don't live. You die. Food's the most important need physically. So we've got to get hungry for souls. If you're going to be used by God in the kingdom of God, you have to be hungry for souls. And if you're not hungry, you got to get hungry. How do you get hungry? You know how you get hungry physically? You burn calories. By being active, you get hungry. So how do I get hungry spiritually? I burn spiritual calories. I do something. I do something in the name of Christ. And the more I do, oh yeah, the hungrier I get. And that's the object, to get hungry. And when you get hungry, you become a reaper. You become a laborer for the kingdom. But that's where it all lies, right there. Am I hungry? A lot of God's people, sadly, they're not hungry. And they sit around and do... The only thing they do is what they do for self. But then there are others. And what they do is for other people. 
So let's get hungry. And here we are in this crazy crisis. What an opportunity to burn some spiritual calories, to be used by God, to be a blessing, to be a help, to be sensitive to the needs of others, to be available, to be available to see who has a need. The elderly, the sickly, do they need errands run? Do they need help? Do they need food? Do they need need things done for them? You're burning up not only physical calories, you're burning up spiritual calories. And then the hungrier and hungrier you get, here it comes, the more you want to do it. See how it works? You want to do it more and more and more. And then you become a great soldier for Christ. Oh, you certainly do. Now you become somebody that matters. Now your life matters. Because like Jesus, it's being lived for others. So get hungry for God. And it's amazing how things will change. And things will certainly be different. Oh, we're going to be looking up again next week, too, when we come back. That's okay. Join me next Tuesday as we look up a little bit more, see what we can see. I want to remind you, Sunday here at New Hope, even though uh, the congregation won't be here this week, it's Communion Sunday. And have your elements ready. Uh, service starts at 10, somewhere around before 11, 10 of 11, something like that. We're going to observe Communion. You can do it right from your home. We'll be on Facebook, we'll be on YouTube, we'll be on WARV. And have your little juice and your little cracker ready. And we're just going to observe the Lord's table. And why do we do it? We do it as a remembrance, to remember what Jesus did for us. That is because of his sacrifice that we have eternal life. And as Paul said, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, communion brings us back to basics. And that's exactly what we need. Sometimes we need to come back to basics. Make it a little puffed up sometimes. And we think we're all that. And the reality is we're not. We're not all that. Oh, but Jesus is. Communion brings us back to the focal point. The Lord Jesus himself. And his love for us demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. So this Sunday, Communion Sunday, join us. Have your elements ready. We're going to have a great service. We're going to begin a mini-series on Jesus the Good Shepherd. What does that mean? And what does that have to do with us? Well, we're the sheep of his pasture. And hopefully this series is going to draw you closer to the Lord. It's going to be very personal, very intimate. So let's draw closer to the Lord Jesus this Sunday as we study Jesus being the Good Shepherd. Okay? You have a great weekend. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.